rich we are? Uh, or should we be so impoverished that everybody would just be like, wow, how humble of them that they gave everything away? And many times the conversation goes into these two ways, and I don't want to um, necessarily lead into either one of those, but I really think the heart of what the teachings through the scriptures are consistent about um, is that it's about trust. God put many principles in place in the Old Testament, and Jesus affirmed them in the New Testament regarding Sabbath and tithing that spoke of trust, that really, financially, what I want to ask you today like, is, do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? Because that's what it's all about for, for the Lord. It's all about our hearts. Many times we make it, and we think sometimes when a preacher gets up and shares about money that he's looking to get something out of you, and I promise there's no ask, there's nothing like that at the end of this, um, and it makes no difference in my life other, other than us being able to do more ministry. Um, but this is really not about some, getting something from you, it's about getting something to you. I think that's what the scriptures pound, um, is that God wants you to be full of hope, that wants you to understand uh, God's economics and how God blows our mind in the area of finances. And so we're going to dive in, and everything we're going to be going through today is really just straight from the scripture. I'm going to just be unpacking some proverbs, some parables that Jesus um, used and taught, uh, and unpacking those today. And so I hope, even if like some of you guys are, are beginning to do taxes, how many of you guys are like have done your taxes already? Raise your hand. Hey, everybody that hasn't, you can do it. It's coming, like you can do it, I know, like don't you just hate tax time, right? It's just, it adds a little, another thing to stress about, uh, but this is a good time, kind of us leading up to tax time, kind of evaluate finances, evaluate how we're trusting God in this area and what the scriptures teach on it, and there's a lot more there than what you probably realize. You've probably even heard that Jesus taught on money probably more than he did anything else except for heaven, uh, or even more than heaven and hell, I think, is that right? Yeah, other than the kingdom of God, he, he's, um, he taught on money more than anything else because he, know, he knew it was connected to our heart. So we're going to dive in. Uh, I, I'll be piggybacking on some things um, that David Ramsey, you'll hear me quote his stuff. He's done a great job of, uh, of really teaching the Bible, teaching the Bible um, in a, really a secular environment, sharing the, the gospel truth of finances all over. And, and I've been encouraged to hear many of you in the house are actually applying some of these things. And so let's dive in. The first, I just want to give you five kind of basics of biblical finance. Five basics of biblical finance. The first one is get out of debt. Get out of debt. How many of you guys would like to be out of debt? Some of you guys like either don't have debt or um, you're, just, you're just now, you're just like, I can't even think about it. Right? Uh, it's, a, it's a four-letter word, you know, in your house. Um, I, I, you guys know I love basketball, um, and I love the Orlando Magic, and nothing frustrates me more when, like, five minutes into the fourth quarter, or, uh, sorry, into the first quarter, like, five minutes in the game starting, we're down by 12 already. I'm just like, I just want to turn it off. I don't even want to watch. It's so hard to play from behind. Like, you, you spend the whole game just playing from behind, and many of us, that's what we've done in our life. I mean, we just paid off my student loan that I've been paying on for uh, almost a, a decade. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So practicing what I preach. Uh, getting one of them done at a time. Um, we just paid off my, my student loan. And it's been playing from behind. Kind of came out of college and then I'm playing from behind. Many of us do that in life and it's very difficult. And, and many of you like us like have student loans or, or you've got credit card debt up to your eyeballs. Look at what the scripture says about this in Proverbs. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender 
When Jesus was talking about money in, in another instance, he said that no man can serve two masters. And some of us have a lot of credit cards. You got a master card, you know. Um, you, you've got some uh, of lots of masters, uh, and, and you're slave to them, and you're like literally chained up. And, and I, I think a big part, and, and I believe so much about this, and I'll, I'll be a little bit brief on this point today because I'm going to spend the whole week next week talking about biblically how it's always been about freedom from the very beginning to the end, and when we're enslaved by debt, um, we're missing out on the freedom that God really um, the depth of the freedom that God really uh, wants us to have and experience. Get out of debt. Think about some of you right now, how much you're spending on paying uh, off debts. Just in your budget. All right, you got 150 here, got 200 here, paying minimums on this one. Been paying minimums on it for five years. Somebody know what I'm talking about? We got another one here. Our baby cost us you know, $25,000, whatever it might be. You got all these debts, um, and we got all these masters. And it's very difficult. I mean, how much money would that add up to at the end of the day? Like, what kind of freedom, what kind of margin would you go, f- go to if, like, we got rid of some of these debts? And so next week, we're really going to begin to unpack just how to do that in, in a little more detail. Uh, did you realize that, that the average household debt, like consumer debt, not mortgages, about fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars $16,000? And uh, I was actually talking with someone uh, here in, in the house that works in banking and finance, and they told me most of the people they talk to, it's upwards of fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, people they talk to, uh, of credit card debt. I'm not talking about consumer debt. And what's funny is this person said they were coming to get another loan. <laughs> it's like, you got no way out. You got no way out. You just keep. We're just continue, continually hungry for more. Dave Ramsey said it like this. He said, um, putting everything on credit card is basically the equivalent of adults saying, I want it, and throwing an adult temper tantrum. I'm not going to wait. I want it now. I want this toy now. I mean, come on. We get mad at our kids for doing that, but we ourselves do the same thing, right? There's things we can't live without. We've got to have it right now. And what we don't realize is that there's this cycle in us that's wanting more. And at the, at the heart of that it's something that we're getting ready to talk, talk about right after this. But we don't want to pay, uh, be constantly playing from behind like all my favorite sports teams. I watched the whole game. Like, what if we could begin to play from ahead, right? What if we could be free in that way? And what if the, the word associated with money for us was no longer stress or fear or anxiety or frustration or pride. Like, what, what if that word that we associated with, when we hear the word money, that emotion that rises up, what if it became hope and peace? Like, I, I think that's at the essence. Like, we, we, God wants this anxiety, this stress that we have with money. Like, how many of you have ever said, and you're like, I just hate money. I hate thinking about it. Anybody ever said that? I feel like I say that all the time. So I'm, I'm here too. I get it. it. It just stresses us out. What if that word looked different? We fight off debt. We fight off debt. And next week, we're going to spend a lot of time giving you some practicals on how to do that, so don't miss that. Secondly, act your wage. I grew up around a lot of um, older kids. Um, I did. Like, my neighborhood was, like, all kids who were, like, four and five years older than me. Usually when people came over to the house and there was kids in one room and adults in the other room, I always wanted to be in the adult room. I know. I was lame. And then this week, um, uh, Beckett said, Dad, I just want to be an adult. Like, I want to... I'm like, bro... I'm like, you don't even get it, man. You don't even know. 
You don't even know how good you got it. Like, you don't have to pay for ice cream. You don't have to go, get up and go to, go to work. You get to play all day most of the time. You don't even get it. And so many times we don't, like, I, I wouldn't act my age when I was a kid. Sometimes we don't act our, our wage. <clears throat> a long time ago, some of you, uh, some of you in, the, in the house that are a little bit my senior in years may remember this. For, for many of us, uh, it's far before our, our time, but uh, there used to be this saying that happened like before the internet and before like those giant spaceship satellite things. You guys remember those? Like they, we should recycle and reuse those into some kind of cool, I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those big satellites people had in their front yard that like a link later they turned into a swimming pool or a hot tub or something. And um, before all that stuff, they had, they had TVs that didn't have remotes and they had, you had to get up and change it. You guys know what I'm talking about? And before that, there was like black and white TV. So when they were moving from like radio to TV, there became this saying that went around that became really popular. I think it was used in a commercial. It was like keeping up with the Jones, keeping up with the Jones family. Like every time we, we would buy something, we'd, we'd want to keep up with the Jones family. And what we don't realize is that many times we find ourselves keeping up with the Joneses too. They got a new car, so we're going to get a new car, right? They got a new house, so we're going to get a new house. They got a new shirt, man, I want to go get me a new shirt. I'm going to go get me a new shirt. And we find ourselves in this kind of always pursuit of more and never being happy with where we're at. And I think the scripture speaks very boldly and beautifully about contentment. And it says this, godliness with contentment is great gain. So listen to this for a second. Sometimes it's, it's not about getting more, right? It's just about wanting less. That makes sense? And I don't, th- uh, sometimes Taryn and I have this conversation uh, regarding our budget. We've, we've had this conversation in the past of like, hey, like, sh- should we cut some of these things out of our budget? And I'm like, yeah, we can do that. We can, you know, cut those things out. Those aren't going to make a big difference, but we can, or we can just make more. And so you have these kind of tension. Do, do we find a way to make more or do we cut and, and live on less? And this one's speaking to us about living on less. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Another proverb says this. It says, give me, it's a prayer to the Lord. It says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. Give me neither poverty or riches. Like, what a, a peaceful kind of thought that God, if we could get to this place where we're not always chasing after what what we want, what other people have, or kind of certain, some certain lifestyle. But what if we just got into a place in our heart that neither poverty or riches, God, just give me my daily bread, man. And what he goes on to say in the next verse, in, in verse 9 of that chapter, he, he says that, because if I have too much, I might forsake you. And I, and I might think that I did this on my own and just think I don't need you. But if I have too little, I might go robbing people and stealing for apples and bread. Give me neither poverty or riches, but just like that. Give me that daily bread where I'm just going to stay faithful to you. And like God knows in your life what, what you need. Like if he can clothe the, um, the, the, the flowers of the field and the, and the birds of the sky, then he can take care of us. And it goes back like to the beginning, like I said, about trust. About trust. And, and do we trust him? Do we really trust that God can provide? Um, and, and I really believe today that God wants us to, to lean into that. Uh, in the area of our finances, and, and not feel like we've got to always be striving to keep up with someone, but just constantly be at rest through God's created us to be and Him providing for us on a daily basis. 
<clears throat> I feel like my faith has been most stretched when I was the most stressed in my finances. I had to trust God the most when I stepped out in faith financially. I did. I feel like more than any other area in my life, when I stepped out financially, it hit deep. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like when you trust him in your finances, it hits deep, right? So many times like, God, I trust you, and then there's no tangible, right? And finances, that's tangible. Everybody said amen. <laughs> it's tangible. Get a burrito with that. Uh, so we got to act our wage. And many of us, when, what we think about is that, hey, when, when I have a little more, I'll do it like this. I'll, I'll treat it a little bit different. But the truth of the matter is that more money will only make you more of what you already are. If you're stingy now, you're going to be stingy later. If you don't know how to handle money now, you don't know how to, you're not going to know how to handle it when you win the lottery. Right? That's, you've heard all the stories about with this whole Powerball thing, and, and I'm not trying to offend anybody that did Powerball. But most of the time, people that, that win the Powerball or win the, the lottery, they lose it pretty quick. Cause, usually because they were wasting their money on lottery tickets for five years before they got that. And they don't change the habits of waste. They're never content. They just blow right through it. So if you get more money, it's only, you're only going to become more of who you already are. So right now, practice. Practice just being faithful with Lil. We can have this whole conversation about stewardship, what God has entrusted us with. Are we being faithful with what we have? I mean, there's a whole parable that Jesus teaches on that. Just being faithful with a little, then you can be trusted with much, much more. So act your wage. Act your wage. Practice contentment. Nothing's going to stretch our heart. Nothing's going to become more tangible uh, than in the area of money. The third thing is get on a budget. Get on a budget. Over half of us don't have a written out plan for our finances. You've heard it before. If you don't um, have a plan, you can plan to fail. You ever heard that one? Like a teacher said that to you when you were in like seventh grade? Son, if you didn't make a plan, you know what I mean? I was out of, the week, I was out of town this weekend. We went to Disney. Well, you should have made a plan, right? And so many of us, we don't, have a, we don't have a plan in the area of our finances. We don't have a plan at all. And it takes writing that out, really writing it out. And some of us, we don't know where to begin. Look at what the scriptures say on it. Look what Jesus says in a parable in Luke chapter 14. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? <laughs> the other day, we were, um, Beckett loves ice cream. And like he loves sweet frog. I don't know if you guys have had sweet frog like Froyo. He loves it. Like he wants to go every night after dinner. And I'm like, bro, Froyo ain't cheap. And we're not going every single night. We can't do that. Um, well, this time he has this little John Deere thing that he keeps his cash in. He's got a little piggy bank where the coins go in, but he's got a little John Deere thing where he keeps his cash. And uh, he's like, Dad, I'll buy it this time. I'm like, okay, okay. So we bring it out. He's like, I got a dollar. He's like, is it more than a dollar? I'm like, yep. He said, um, is it more than $10? Um, probably, probably, for, for the four of us, probably. And um, he, he starts going, and you can just see his wheels turning the whole time. And he's like, all right, we're not going to ice cream tonight. <laughs> but I could see it. it. It set in, and it hit him. It, and it hit him. Um, over 50% of us don't have a written-out plan. Um, and, and this is something that I think we should, you know, consistently review and, and over, you know, continue to give oversight to and, and refer back to as things change in our life. We have to end up adding daycare or take daycare away. Or, you know, we have 
Uh, we go to a new job, so we have to buy clothes. Like, that needs to get added in. And we, we make a plan for how much it, it's going to cost us. I mean, let me ask you this question. If it was your job, if you were hired on at a company, and some of you do this for a living, hired on a company to manage the money, would you fire you in your own life? If you were, if you were hired to manage the money, would you fire yourself? And many times, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, man, I'm just not good at this. Like, and some of us, it's because I don't know where to start. Some of us, man, I'm so, so far in debt. Some of it's our stomachs, and we're just hungry for, always for more. There's a lot of reasons for it. But getting on, getting on a budget is, is extremely important for us. And for those of you that don't know where to start, let me just give you like a real kind of easy, simple kind of runway to launch off, launch off at. Go to the next thing. And it's kind of breaking down your finances in percentages. How much are you spending um, in, in each kind of category, breaking it down in that way. And there's kind of some rules of standards, particularly, I believe, for believers and kind of a place to start. This is just kind of an idea. But the scriptures tell us that that first 10% belongs to the Lord. Like, it belongs to him. It's a tithe. Like, we talk about, some people wonder, like, what's the difference between a tithe and just normal giving, offering? Well, the tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe belongs to the Lord. It's that first 10% that we bring to him. Jesus affirms it in the New Testament. For those of you that want to say, no, it's an Old Testament thing, Jesus affirms it. It says, continue to practice that while also being faithful and um, giving to the poor. Like He, he says, continue to pr- walk in that practice. That first 10% belongs to the Lord. The second 10% is savings. And, and the truth of the matter is that in our budgets, most of us, um, over 50% of us, um, with anything extra that takes place, if our cat catches pneumonia, if our, you know, if our, we, we have to get new tires, it, we'll be in trouble. Like, we'll just be in trouble. Anything that happens, uh, I think it's about 56% of us um, don't have a $1,000 saved back, okay? And that's not to bring condemnation, but that's to, to help us think ahead here. I think that's what this is about. Look at what the scripture says. Jump over to the scripture. I think I, wait, no, I already went to the scripture on that one. Sorry. Thinking of another verse. Um, I think in our heads, we're always, sometimes we're just living kind of paycheck to paycheck, and we're not thinking ahead for when something might happen, when the dishwasher breaks, or when the washing machine breaks, and then what are we going to do? And a lot of times we don't have just $1,000 saved back to, to handle that. And so that first 10% uh, is tithe, another 10% is savings. And then from here, usually you imagine about 20 to 30% of your budget is spent on housing. Some of you are like wondering, how, how can I afford this? How do I know? I think usually 20 to 30% is like a good kind of standard of, of mindset of can we afford it. It means that if, if you live on $1,000 a month, you can probably afford how much for an apartment or renting a room? How much? Two to 300. Yeah, yeah, you guys are following with it. All right, we're just keeping it very basic and we begin to item out how much we've got to set aside. Do we know, can we afford this, right? We do the same thing here as a church. We meet together with our board of directors once a month, and we hammer it out, and we've got some things we want to do. We had some plans of what we were going to spend money on. Well, we want to make some nice cushioned chairs. We want to get some cushioned chairs for your bottom. You're welcome. We're going to try to do that. Yeah, I hear some worship in the house and praise rising up. Um, Whatever it takes. Um, So we're wanting to do that, and you know what? We had to count the cost. We're like, how much is it going to cost? You want to know what's amazing? It's something I wanted to do for a long time here. But this week, as we began to put a plan in place, God sent money towards it. $3,500 towards our chairs already. People said, I'll give, I'll give. When you put a plan in place, you're setting yourself up to succeed. 
And God's going to meet you there, but we've got to make a plan for it. 20, 30% on housing. And then 50 to 60% is on the, the rest of the stuff, right? Anything else you got in there? It's handling our food. And, and, and right, I think the, the first, you know, probably 40 to 50% is pretty general for all of us as believers. And, and after that, I think, is really open to how we choose to spend it in our lifestyle. Some of us have to spend more on clothes because we have to wear suits to work. Some of us don't. And that just depends. So a lot of those things are, are, are flexible, I think. So we've got to get on a budget, though, so that when something happens, we're, we're not playing from behind. We don't get, go back into the debt thing, go back into the enslavement to another master. But we get to live free, and it doesn't hurt us. We stay in that place of not anxiety, and our, our emotion stays connected to the heart of God and trusting him. So fourthly, uh, I believe it's save and invest, something the scriptures teach. Go ahead and look in, into the scripture with me. Save and invest. The wise store up choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Just kind of talking about this already, just with savings. But it is biblical to save. It's biblical to save. You know, I mean, look, read that. The wise store up choice food in olive oil. Sometimes we feel like uh, we're, we're, it's just kind of going into a black hole that we don't get you know, to, to use. We just want everything that's tangible that we can use. But it's biblical to put money back and prepare. One of the things that's taught and has become very familiar that I think is very biblical, uh, and farmers have to live like this. I've always really respected farmers because they only have a harvest usually once a year, maybe twice a year. And the rest of the time, I always wonder, one of my best friends growing up, they were strawberry farmers. I grew up in the strawberry capital of the world, at least the winter strawberry capital of the world. So everybody was strawberry farmers, one of my best friend's dad was. And I just wondered, they make all their money this, this, in this like month, like right now, actually, winter strawberries, like right now down in Plant City. And they have this big festival, and they sell just tons of strawberries. I imagine they make pretty well um, during that time. But then the rest of the year, they just have to portion it out. Just have to portion it out. And many of your careers, you're, you're actually like that. And, and we've got to learn to save and put things back so that when those rainy days happen, one of the things Dave Ramsey says, many have used this kind of terminology, but it's a rainy day fund. You just put back three to six months of your expenses on a monthly basis so that if there's downsizing at your job, you got some leeway there. You got a few months to figure it out, right? Um, and, and if anything happens, right, if the transmission breaks, man, thank God we put that money back so we can take care of that. We've got to work ourselves out of from being behind and start getting ahead. But kind of first things first, that's why I'm doing it in the order we, can't, we are saving and, and, and walking through the acting our wage, contentment with where we're at, getting on a budget, saving and investing. Do you realize right now, for some of you in the house that are, are still, still young, uh, still in your younger years when it comes to finances, um, do you know at age three, if you invest $100 a month at just like a decent, a decent like mutual fund, at like 100 bucks, okay? I'm not talking about a crazy amount of money, you know, you're probably paying more for your car. You're probably paying more for movies in a month. $100 a month just towards a retirement account of some sort. By the time you're 70, that money will probably be worth over, well over a million dollars. Probably $1.2, $1.3 million. I'm just talking about $100 a month. I'm not talking about a ton. And you're setting yourself up for success. Like the scripture pours in, like, blessed is the man who like, has an inheritance to give his, his children that we didn't spend everything we had, but we were able to invest it and able to save some back for those rainy days um, and then taking care of our needs in old age. Like you as well as I know that we don't know what Social Security is going to look like. We don't know what government funding that will look like in, in, 
in um, 10 years, five years, two years. We don't even know then, let alone probably what it's going to look like 40 years down the road. And so it's important that we kind of make preparations for living uh, beyond our working years. Is everybody with me? I know like some of this is, is real practical, but I know like many of us, I, I, this is a felt need that I constantly hear, and I, and I believe it's biblical for us to unpack this. So that, that, that's really talking about the tangible, like physical investment and in, in investing just kind of in our future. Um, that's not even beginning to get into kingdom investment. Beginning to tap into being a part of something so much bigger and believing in a kingdom cause. And I think that's really what the, the fifth kind of basic of biblical finance tells us, is that giving is at the heart of a believer. It's at the heart of who we are as children of God. It, it, it's not like an extra thing on the side. It's truly who we are as God's children. And it's only when we do these things that we can experience the joy of generosity. It's only when we really get ourselves on a budget, when we're not constantly out of debt, because really when you give and you're in a place you're like so tight yourself, it just hurts, right? And like, hey, maybe that's a sacrifice of praise, or maybe that's a, a, you know, a, a burnt, some kind of offering, and it hurts a little bit. I've heard many preachers say that. You're not giving enough unless it hurts, right? And so I'm not saying that today, but, but I am saying today that we don't get to experience the joy when we're kind of in bondage. We don't get to enjoy this this joy of giving. I've, I've probably told this story before. When I was in college, I, um, I had a roommate, and um, I don't know why, but God just laid it on my heart to give him $100. And he, he, not just to throw him $100. And for, for those of you that don't know, I've, I've said when I was in college, I was living on about $50 a month. So that was like two months of my living, like, and it was like digging into what savings I had saved up in the summer and was working for. Um, and he, God told me to give this $100 to this guy and to buy actually four shoes. Uh, and I don't know why God put that on my heart, but uh, I just put an envelope. I wanted to be anonymous, and I put it, put it in, the, uh, in the mail for him to see. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I just mistold the story. God didn't tell me to buy it for shoes, just to give him $100. My assumption at that time was that it was for his needs. It was for groceries. It was for gas in his car. It was for, like, the basics, right? Sometimes, you ever think about that when a homeless person comes up to you, right? I want him to spend it, like, to help, you know, go towards hotel for the night or to, you know, some food or something. Like, I hope he doesn't spend it on booze. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, I kind of had this feeling with my friend, and I'm like, I pray that he's going to spend it on this. And then he, he went out and bought shoes. So that's how I was confusing the story. He went out and bought shoes, and I was mad about it. I was like, Phew. I was like, man, I, mean, God, I, I thought you needed it, man. And God just began to convict my heart. He's like, I didn't ask you to worry about that side of it. I just asked you to be obedient. And so many times we, we do that with the Lord, and, and we don't understand the, just the joy of generosity, like just the joy of giving. And like, like my heart, I think now would just be like, man, I'm glad you bought you some shoes. They look good on you. I hope that my heart would be so different now because I feel like God's done a lot in my life since then. I, I think we have to really evaluate and say, do we want to be like a, like a true giver like, and reflect the heart of God in our giving? And not where, where we would just have freedom to give and bless. Like, think back to that budget, like 20 to 30%. How much are you spending on debts? Add that up there. Like, if we, like, lived, like, mortgage-free and, like, debt-free, like, what kind of margin do we have 
to invest in the people around us, in the kingdom, into our children, into the city? Like, what could God do with the people who are really free, like really freed up? And so while we were talking about investing in kind of the practical things of life and retirement, like there's this deep hunger, deep hunger, I think, that, that grows within, within a child of God that says, God, I want to invest in your kingdom. And the thing about investment is many times you don't see the return right away. You don't see the return right away, and there has to be a lot of heart change for us to move away from not acting our wage and wanting it now and, and putting it on cards now and doing all, all that when we can't pay for it to get to the place where, where God, I trust you with this. I'm sowing this seed. I was having a conversation with one of our leaders. Um, actually, I want to tell you about two conversations I had with leaders in our church over the past three years. One of them was uh, with a person. They were sharing with me about sowing and reaping and how God was just stirring their heart on sowing and reaping. And, um, you know, that you, you never reap in the same season that you, um, that you sow, right? It's going to come later. And um, this person was telling me that, man, I, I believe I'm in a, a reaping season right now. I believe that God's just like blessing me and like there's a harvest coming to me. And she looked back at me and she said, I wish I would have sown more. I wish I would have sown more. Like, I sowed some little seeds here and there. She's like, but now that I'm in a season of harvest, I'm like, man, I wish I would have done more. I wonder how God would have brought the harvest. I wish I would have sown more love. I wish I would have sown more into our, my relationships. The other conversation happened with a leader years back and looked across the table and we were talking. Actually, they were telling me about a conversation they had had and, and an honest kind of struggle they were facing in the area of finances. They were saying, it's really tough for me right now, man. I'm really struggling. Like, things keep happening. I don't know how to keep up. I'm just getting behind. He's like, but I have trouble even asking God. I have trouble even asking God to bless my finances when I'm not trusting him with what I already have. And I thought, man, that's actually pretty profound. And for you to kind of sit back and be like, it's difficult for me to even pray this, God, because I know I'm not trusting you with what I have. How dare I ask you for more? I really convicted at that point. And I was like, Wow. That actually takes a lot of maturity to be able to admit. And like God still longs to clothe you and longs to give you daily bread and be with you and provide. And for some of us, that this whole thing is just an overwhelming thought. Like It's like, I'd rather just sweep it under the rug and deal with the consequences later. I'd rather just not deal with it or think about it because the only emotion that's popping up is, right, is stress, is frustration, is doubt, is fear, like whatever it is, like that's the only thing that's coming up, but what if that emotion changed and began to be hope? One of the most popularized scriptures is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? You've said that one. You've encouraged somebody with that. Many times we don't realize, Paul was talking about money. Paul was talking about be, having, being rich and being broke. He was saying, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. I've had plenty, and I've had nothing. He said, and I've learned I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. A lot of times we, we post that on every kind of situation. He was talking about money. So for those of you in the house that say, I don't know, sounds good for somebody else. Well, they got two incomes. They can do that. Well, they're not in debt like I am. 
Paul, I think Pastor Paul would get up here and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he's going to help us walk out. These aren't my principles. These ain't Dave Ramsey's principles. These are God's principles. And God's desire is not for you to constantly be frustrated and stressed about every kind of the worries of this life, but our heart and our mind to be focused and fixed on him. And for us to be freed up to invest in the kingdom. Even the, even the early churches, man, there's this one, I think it's from the Corinthian church, in which, uh, I think they're actually, the, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about the, 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 thir- the church at Thessalonica. And he says to them, their extreme poverty welled up in extreme generosity. That even though they were broke, like some, God was doing such, something so deep, and there was such deep trust in that early church, that like, they're like, I'm all in, God. Like, it's, it's all yours. Um, I think God's helping us to understand these things today and resonate with our heart. It's about trust. It's about trust. It's about getting to experience the joy of generosity and being a part of the kingdom of God together. So I want to ask you to stand, and I'm going to invite you to the table in just a moment. Um, I'm going to close out in prayer, and then I'll invite us to the table. Uh, God, in this room, um, my message this morning, your message this morning through the scriptures, while for many it might be encouraging and practical and help us get into some of the nuts and bolts of where we're at financially, some of us it's only bringing fear. It's only bringing doubt. Um, it's only bringing anxiety because it's been swept under the rug for too long. But God, you want freedom for us. You want peace for us. God, you want legacy for us. God, and I pray in this house for anyone that's, that's struggling just to make it to the next day, I pray that there would be a comfort and a peace that come to their soul, a contentment in all things that only you can bring, God. Got a strength that rises up from someone that says, I'm going to be faithful with what I got. And I know that God's going to be more than faithful. And I know that he's more than capable, capable to supply every single one of my needs according to his riches and glory. Church, he is more than faithful today. He's more than capable. God, help us to believe. Help us to be stewards with what you have entrusted us. We give you all the praise, all the glory.